Hello, and welcome to the James Sheets Podcast. This podcast features the sermons and preaching messages of James Sheets, who pastored throughout West Virginia for many years. If you like what you hear, please subscribe and leave a five-star review and share a memory of James with us. Let's listen as Pastor James Sheets begins his message. Then we're going to go back to the book of Genesis chapter 22. Well, I'll give you time to find Genesis after we read Matthew. In Matthew 27, beginning at verse 33, And when they were come unto a place called Golgotha, that is to say, a place of a skull, they gave him vinegar to drink mingled with gall, and when he had tasted thereof, he would not drink. And they crucified him and parted his garments, casting lots, that it might be fulfilled which was spoken by the prophet. They parted my garments among them, and upon my vesture did they cast lots. And sitting down, they watched him there, and set up over his head his accusation written, This is Jesus, the King of the Jews. Then there were two thieves crucified with him, one on the right hand and the other on the left. And they that passed by reviled him, wagging their heads and saying, Thou hast destroyed, thou that destroyest the temple, and buildest it in three days, save thyself, if thou be the Son of God, come down from the cross. Likewise also the chief priests mocking him with the scribes and elders said, He saved others, himself he cannot save. If he be the king of the Jews, let him now come down from the cross, and we will believe him. He trusted in God, and let him deliver him now, if he will have him, for he said, I am the Son of God. These also which were crucified with him cast the same in his teeth. Now from the sixth hour there was darkness over all the land into the ninth hour. And about the ninth hour Jesus cried with a loud voice, saying, Eli, Eli, lama sabachthani, that is to say, my God, my God, why hast thou forsaken me? Some of them that stood there, when they heard that, said, This man calleth for Elias. Straightway one of them ran and took a sponge and filled it with vinegar and put it on a reed and gave him to drink. The rest said, Let be. Let us see whether Elias will come to save him. Jesus, when he had cried again with a loud voice, yielded up the ghost. And then over to Genesis chapter 22. Beginning at the very first verse. Genesis 22. And it came to pass after these things that God did tempt Abraham and said unto him, Abraham, he said, Behold, here I am. And he said, Take now thy son, thine only son Isaac, whom thou lovest, and get thee into the land of Moriah, and offer him there for a burnt offering upon one of the mountains, which I will tell thee of. And Abraham rose up early in the morning and saddled his ass and took two of his young men with him, and Isaac his son, 
and clave the wood for the burnt offering, rose up and went unto the place which God had told him. And then on the third day, Abraham lifted up his eyes and saw the place afar off. And Abraham said unto his young men, Abide ye here with the ass, and I and the lad will go yonder and worship and come again to you. Abraham took the wood of the burnt offering and laid it upon Isaac his son. And he took the fire in his hand on a knife, and they went both of them together. And Isaac spake unto Abraham his father and said, My father, and he said, Here am I, my son. He said, Behold the fire and the wood, but where is the lamb for a burnt offering? And Abraham said, My son, God will provide himself a lamb for a burnt offering. So they went both of them together. And they came to the place which God had told him of, and Abraham built an altar there and laid the wood in order and bound Isaac his son and laid him on the altar upon the wood. And Abraham stretched forth his hand and took the knife to slay his son. And the angel of the Lord called unto him out of heaven and said, Abraham, Abraham, he said, Here am I. He said, Lay not thine hand upon the lad, neither do thou anything unto him. For now I know that thou fearest God, seeing thou hast not withheld thine only son from me. And Abraham lifted up his eyes and looked and beheld behind him a ram caught in a thicket by his horns. Abraham went and took the ram and offered him up for a burnt offering in the stead of his son. May the Lord add his blessing to this reading of his word. Let us bow for just a moment of prayer. Now, our Father, make our hearts one together. Speak to us with the power of thy spirit that we would see afresh and anew the reality of the cross. As we meditate upon your word. Speak to every heart, if there's one here who has not stood beneath that cross, may they do that tonight. For we pray in Christ's name. Amen. 11.30 a.m. May 29, 1953. Something happened. Do any of you remember what? I didn't suspect that you would. That was the time that Sir Edmund Hillary raised the British flag on the top of Mount Everest. Now, do you remember? Oh, <laughs> that wasn't the idea. That wasn't the thought I had in mind. I, I think we'll go with what I had instead of Hill graduating from high school. <laughs> 29,002 feet high, the first time a man had climbed to the top of Mount Everest. And probably a lot of people shouted when they graduated from high school, didn't figure he'd ever make it. Before they succeeded in climbing to the top of Mount Everest and planting that flag, there were several trial runs. They had to build up their endurance, make sure that their equipment was ready, and that they were capable in mind and in heart and in spirit of going up that mountain. 
Many men have failed before, and many men have failed since. But these men, and particularly this one man, succeeded. I want you to remember the trial run. That will come up again before I'm done. Four or five years ago, we went to Portland, Oregon to visit our daughter. And on one of the, the, well, we did many things while we were there, such as go to the beach. And, and the beach in, in Oregon is so different than, than Myrtle Beach or Virginia Beach and all the others that I've been to on the eastern seaboard that it was, it was amazing to me. But on one of the days when both my daughter and her husband were at work and we had not much to do, we borrowed their car and took a trip to Mount Hood. We came around a turn in the road, and suddenly before us rose that mountain, the most exciting, thrilling sight that I had ever experienced in my life, was rounding that turn in the road and seeing that mountain. Right in front of us, it was miles away, and we drove for, I don't know, 20 more miles maybe before we got to it, but there it was, snow-covered. I stopped the car. I couldn't believe what I was seeing. Never in my life had I seen such a spectacular sight. I was excited almost out of my wits. And we drove up that mountain. And I, the morning before we started, I said, now we better take our coats with us because I know it's snow covered. It's going to be cold up there. So we took our coats, put them in the car, and Right there while we were packed, we put them on because I didn't want to be sure that we were ready to get out of the car when we got there and, and jump out quickly and get out there to explore that tremendous sight. And I knew it was going to be cold. And we drove up that mountain and into the snow and we got to the top and we got out of the car and I was burning up. It was 80 degrees. And I looked out there on the slopes. I had seen movies of people skiing in shorts, but I didn't believe it. There they were, skiing in the snow on the top of that mountain in shorts, and I, I was perspiring, and I'd take my coat off and put it back in the car. I couldn't believe it. But standing there on the top, or nearly at the top of the mountain, where well, there's probably another couple of thousand feet maybe, I don't know how far ahead up, to, to really the pinnacle of the mountain, but as far as we could go, uh, at least as we were dressed, someday I want to go back and I want to walk up there if I can. I looked out over the distance in front of me, and there were two more mountains here, and there was another one over here, and another one back here, and I began to inquire as to what they were, and, and someone who knew the territory told me their names, but there were two out there together, and I said, what are they called? And, and they said, those are the sisters. I never heard of them before. Brilliant, beautiful scene. Nearly alike, one slightly taller than the other. Remember that phrase. Just one a little taller than the other. It's going to come back in a minute. Could not believe what I was seeing. But I want to talk to you tonight about two mountains that were harder to climb than Mount Everest. more beautiful than the sisters on Mount Hood. 
and more meaningful than any piece of real estate on earth. The first is Mount Moriah, and the second is Mount Calvary. Mount Moriah had an important meaning to two people, to Abraham and his son Isaac. For God said to Abraham, I want you to take your son, your only son Isaac, go out into the land of Moriah to a mountain that I will show you, and there on the top of that mountain I want you to offer him as a sacrifice. Oh, what a tragic expression must have crossed the mind and the heart of Abraham to be asked to do such a deed when he had been told that it was through his son Isaac that his family would be blessed and that he would have, answer, uh, or have descendants that would be greater number than the sands of the sea out of whom would come someone that would bless the entire world in its full population. To Abraham it was the highest pinnacle of surrender. To Isaac it was the highest pinnacle of sacrifice. But there's another mountain yet higher and more difficult to climb that required two more people to look at it with, with awe, but with agony. It was the highest pinnacle for God to sacrifice his own son. And it was the highest pinnacle of sacrifice for Jesus Christ, his son, and our Savior. The name Moriah means foreseen of Jehovah. Foreseen of Jehovah. Man's sin had been foreseen by God even before the foundation of the world. And he had prepared a plan of redemption. A plan of redemption before the foundation of the world. And the day was coming when God and his son together, and remember that phrase because you're going to hear it again, God and his son climbed that tragic mountain of Calvary. But before that assault that had to come on Mount Calvary, there needed to be a practice run. God selected Abraham and his son Isaac to be the practice run. To see if they could climb Mount Moriah. Verse 3 of Genesis 22 says that Abraham rose up early in the morning and saddled his ass and took two of his young men with him, and Isaac his son, and he clave the wood for the burnt offering, and rose up and went unto the place which God had told him, unto the place, the place. Over in Luke 23, verse 33. 
3, the scripture says that when they were come to the place called Calvary, they crucified him. In our scripture from Matthew 27, when they came to the place called Golgotha, there they crucified him. The place. And on the third day of their trek into the land of Moriah, Abraham lifted up his eyes and he saw the place which God had appointed. The place of sacrifice. And he said to his young men, he said, wait here. The lad and I will go on and we will offer the sacrifice and we'll come back again. Wait here. This is as far as you can go. From this point on, it's just the father and the son together. The Father and the Son together, alone together. Abraham and Isaac started that trek up Mount Moriah. Jesus took his disciples and went out into the Garden of Gethsemane. And he said to Peter and James and John, wait here and I will go a little farther together with my Father. And I will come back to you. To the place together. My son and I will go together. Abraham took the wood of that offering that was to be used to burn the sacrifice and he laid it upon the shoulders of his son. And he took the fire in one hand and the knife in the other. And together, silently, they started that trek up Mount Moriah. The father and the Son together. And as they went, the weight of that wood became heavier. And the cross became heavier upon the Son of God as he made his trek up Mount Calvary. And the Son began to look around a little bit and he began to wonder, where is the Lamb? He didn't say anything for a while. And the idea began to grow in his heart and in his mind, and he began to look carefully over at his father, and he began to wonder, where's the lamb? He would look over at him, and then he would turn away. Because as he looked at his father, he saw the drawn face of his father. And he began to see tears running down out of the eyes of Abraham and into his beard and drop on down to the ground. And Father Abraham was very, very quiet. 
He didn't say much. And there was something wrong. For his father was quiet, and he was weeping, and his face was drawn, and his steps were faltering. Where's the lamb? That anguish on the face of Abraham is becoming evident. And finally, Isaac began to sweat as the reality began to dawn on him that he was the lamb. Jesus in the garden of Gethsemane fell prone upon his face and the sweat began to break out on his brow and he began to pray unto his father and his sweat became drops of blood as the reality grew and grew and grew. The purpose for which he had been born into the world was about to come about him. And he prayed unto the Father, where is the Lamb? Fill thine. He was the Lamb. And he prayed, Father, if it is possible, let this cup pass from me. But he knew that it would not pass. He was the Lamb. He knew it. And the Father and the Son climbed up Mount Moriah and the Son and his Father climbed up Mount Calvary together. What a tragedy. And Isaac said, Father, where, where is the Lamb? Finally, Abraham was able to speak. And through the tears that ran out of his eyes and the faltering of his voice, he said, the Lord will provide the lamb. But Abraham knew that it would be his son. And Isaac knew that he was the sacrifice. And God knew that it would be his son and Jesus knew that he would be the sacrifice. There on top of that mountain, when they finally reached it, Abraham built the altar. He laid the wood on it. And he tied the hands and the feet of his only son, and he laid him on that altar. And there was not one murmur of resistance recorded in the scripture that Isaac offered. Not one. In complete obedience to the will of his father, he was going to give his life as a sacrifice. And Abraham raised that knife to bring it down into the heart of his own son without questioning the will of the father and it was ready to come, and the tears were flowing, 
and his heart was breaking, but he was going to be in complete obedience to the will of his father. God stayed his hand and said, Now I know that you truly love me. Now I know that you fear me with all your heart. Spare your son. The Lord will provide the sacrifice that Abraham turned and loosed his son took the bounds off of him and stood him on his feet and there caught in the bushes was a lamb. The scripture doesn't tell us what Isaac did. But let me tell you what I think he did. I think he went over to that lamb and he threw his arms around the neck of that lamb. And he hugged that lamb with all his heart. Why? Because the lamb was going to be his substitute. Was going to die in his stead. That lamb had given him life. And I believe tears ran down from the eyes of Isaac as he thanked God for providing the sacrifice. Abraham offered that sacrifice. We can no longer now make a parallel between Mount Moriah and Mount Calvary. Although God offered the sacrifice for your sins and mine in Jesus Christ, they took our Lord bound his hands and feet with nails and placed him on that old rugged cross and they suspended him between heaven and earth and there was found no substitute for him he had to pay the price he was the sacrifice tragedy of it all is that no longer was the Father and the Son together. For now the Father turned his back on his Son and no longer even would look upon him because he became stained with your sin and with mine and God could not look upon that sin. And that Son of God, as he hung between heaven and earth, cried a cry. He said, Why, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? This was an experience he had never had before. Never in his life had he had a time that he could not commune with the Father. Now, the father had rejected him, had turned his back upon him, and left him alone. Alone. 
the pure was stained. His sin, he became sin, the one who knew no sin, in order that you and I might be the righteousness of God, says 2 Corinthians 5.21. God will provide the sacrifice. John the Baptist said to his disciples, Behold, the Lamb of God takes away the sin of the world. The wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. Go with me back in history. Back to Egypt. To that time in the life of the Hebrew people when they were preparing the Passover, they were commanded to take a lamb and to slay it and to smear the blood of that lamb on the doorposts around their house and for their entire family to get inside that house, stay there, because that night the death angel was going to pass over Egypt and it would bring death into every home that was not covered by the blood of the lamb. Are you under the blood? Are you under the blood? I read a story one time of a old sailing vessel that had had an accident and had a hole in down low under the waterline in the ship. They had explored the possibilities of patching it and couldn't do it. The hole was too large for that. They couldn't find anything that would stop the flow of the water. Their pumps would not keep up with the incoming water. And the captain finally realized that the only way that they were going to save that ship and all the men on board is if someone in that crew would be willing to go down into the hole and swim through that water and wedge his body into that hole and give his life that the rest of the crew could be saved. And he called his entire crew to the deck. And he explained to them the situation. They were all going to perish unless there was one willing to give his life that the others would live. He said someone needs to volunteer to go down there and swim through the hold of the ship and wedge his body into that hole. And if he will do it, the rest of the crew will be saved and the ship will be saved and we can overcome it with our pumps and get into port where we can, can make repairs. The son of the captain stepped forth. And he said, Sir, I will go. And with that, he went down the stairs into the hold of the ship and swam through the water and found the hole and wedged his body tight in the hole and gave his life a sacrifice for the people on that ship. I believe this world has sprung a leak. God saw it was going to happen. And he said, the only way that this whole world is going to be saved and the crew will be, will be saved 
edge of Pharaoh's one who would give his life for the others. And the Son of God stepped forth and he said, Sir, I will go. I will go. Why do you have life? Why do I have life tonight? It's because to a cross stood on a mountain called Mount Calvary with the Son of God. The trial run had been made by Abraham and Isaac. The real thing was done by God and His Son, Jesus Christ. Are you under the blood? Have you been to Jesus for his cleansing power? Have you knelt at the cross? Have you been beneath the cross of Jesus and felt his cleansing power, felt his blood flow over your body and give you life? Because there was one who was the sacrifice. Thank you for listening to today's message. If you like what you hear, hit the subscribe button. You'll receive automatic notifications and downloads when a new message is added to the podcast. Also, please leave a five-star review and take the opportunity to share stories, memories, and appreciation for James Sheets and how God used him to impact your life. If you'd like to know why and how this podcast got started, check out our first episode. Lastly, if you want to donate to help offset the cost of operating this podcast, you'll find a link to our PayPal account in the podcast description. Thank you for listening, and remember to try Trust in God for today and for all of your tomorrows.